Running away from people now, 20, 10, and gone. Moniel, 67-yard touchdown run. I've got reporter's <laughs> notebooks older than Seth. Fonte was always soft. Can't uh, win on the road, they say. <laughs> DeVito pop pass end zone. Touchdown and the ball game. DeVito in relief wins it for the Orange. Live from the great New York State Fair, this is Orange Nation. Brought to you by Charles Heating and Air Conditioning with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. We're coming to you live from a soggy and rain-drenched state fairground. Stephen Fonsi, Seth Goldberg with you up until 2 o'clock. Coming to you live from the great New York State Fair, right in our normal location outside the dairy building across from Chevy Court. We're with you up until 2 o'clock. Just one guest lined up for it today. We'll hear from Eric Devendorf coming up at the top of the hour. Eric is putting together a back-to-school sneaker drive and giveaway. It runs through August 23rd, making sure that everybody here in the Syracuse community has fresh sneakers sneakers and shoes heading back to school great cause we want to get behind eric we're going to bring him on at about 105 to talk about that certainly talk some basketball as well your phone calls are welcome at any time at 315-437-7644 as we kick off uh, this show and, and kick off the state fair seth with the question i think we get the most when we come out here you know people just passing by waving or coming up for an autograph or watching the news just kind of standing there a lot of times we'll be asked the number one question we're asked what do you think about SU football how do you think they're going to be this year you know what what, what do you think and and so I have like 20 seconds with these people that I, I need to, to give them my my 20 second synopsis of what I think is going to happen so let's start right there give me your 20 second synopsis on what you think SU football will be here in 2019 uh, is it simple enough to say they're going to be good is that is that a simple enough 20 uh, 20 second synopsis? That's not 20 seconds. Uh, I know. It's, it's a good it's, place it's, to it's start. It's even shorter. Though. It's it's a good place to start. Look, I think they're going to be good again. I, I think that they are That's if somebody's um, walking by waving yeah, and they say you just say, "Oh, they're going to be good." They're going to be good. Don't worry. You're good. Uh you know, Stephen Bailey said it yesterday. I think this, this it was a really interesting point. Um, it is really hard to look at their schedule and see how they don't end up with at least six wins right off the bat, right? You have Liberty. You have uh, Western Michigan, Holy Cross. He threw uh, Louisville in there as well. I, you know, throw Duke out there. Um, you know, this year you get Wake and Boston College at home. And all of a sudden you're up to seven already. Right, so like it's really hard to see how this team does not go to a bowl game for a second straight year. Um, not at all saying that's the expectation, right? The expectation is not just hey, win six games, but it's really hard to see how that, at the very least, does not happen. Um, and then I think you go from there. Like I, I think personally that that somewhere around eight or nine wins sounds right. Do I know where those losses come? No, I don't. Outside of the Clemson game, I don't know which games are the ones that you look at and say, all right, that might be a loss. But but I. I have a hard time sitting here saying, Steve, and, and the reason I go to eight or nine, I have a really hard time sitting here saying, yeah, 11 and one. Yeah. Like, I, I, mean, I can't do that. And I think part of it is because we've been conditioned the other way, right? I mean, we've been conditioned through 20 years of, or 18 years since 2001, 18 years of, well, this team isn't very good. This program isn't very good. And if they, if everything breaks right, maybe they can win seven games. Maybe they can win eight games. But this isn't a 10 or 11 win program. 
you know, those expectations and the standards, I think, are changing. I'm not saying the expectation is to win 11 games this year, but I do think the standards are changing. But fans in this town, and I think even those of us in the media who've covered this team for a long time, we've been conditioned to think the other way. We've been conditioned to think, well, show me. Show me first. You know, I'll believe it when I see it type of thing. And it happened last year. Remember, we were sitting here preseason doing our picks, and, and I said, you know what? I think this team is good enough to get bowl eligible, especially if Eric Dungy stays healthy. If he's playing, I think they're a good enough team to go win a bowl, to go get to a bowl game, but you know what? Prove it to me. And they're going to lose a game that they shouldn't, and they're going to go 5-7. and seven. So I ended up settling on 5-7, and seven, even though I thought they were good enough to be bowl eligible. Look, I was glad I was wrong about that, but I, I think that it, it's kind of similar this year. Like, I can't go to the point that I, I think, even if I look at it, and, and again, I don't even know that I think they're going to go 11-1, but even 10-2, and two, like, I to me, I can't go ahead and say that because, as you said, we're still conditioned to think, hey, something's going to go wrong. Well, you weren't the only one that was wrong. Everybody was wrong last year with the exception of Julian Wiggum. I mean, Julian said at the beginning of the year they're going to win 10 games, and they got to 10 wins. I, I said last year, for me, the expectation was at least six wins in a bowl game. I said that's, that has to be the expectation. Um, and they got there, and and but I, I wasn't right. I mean, I didn't I, I didn't of think course. they were going to win nine games in the regular season and win a bowl game to to make it ten. Um, Julian's the only one that I know nailed it. We'll have Julian on at some point, I think, before the season starts and, and get his official prediction because he had his his finger on the pulse of the orange, for lack of a better term, uh, last year, and and he nailed it. We'll get into our expectations certainly as the show moves along. But back to this initial question of how's SU going to be? What do you think? This is where I start with this team. I look at the talent. I think the talent overall is better on this team than it was a year ago. Absolutely agree. I look at the depth. I think the depth is better. I think this is a deeper roster than it was a year ago. You look at the linebacker position. Linebacker position was has been an area of concern the last several years. This year, even though there are some question marks at the linebacker position, I think it's the deepest group that we've seen in quite some time. The wide receiving core, very deep. The running back group is very deep. And you don't have Eric Dungy anymore to, to carry the rock and to be your leading rusher. You're going to need that, that running back core to, to step up. And you've got multiple options now in the backfield that can make it happen. Um, so I look at the wide receivers, I look at the running backs, I think defensively, you know, I, I touched on the linebackers, but the D-line and the secondary, as good as we've seen around here in a long time. So I think that the roster is more talented, I think the roster is deeper, I think the schedule is easier than it was last year. There's no Notre Dame on the schedule this year. I mean, you've, you know, you, you've given yourself a pretty darn good chance to go 4-0 in the non-conference, which you didn't have last year. I think the schedule is easier. So it, it's hard to look at, at this team and, and look at all that on paper and say, well, you know, they're not going to do at least as well as they did a year ago, right? Exactly. So, and and I, I agree with you on all of that. Look, at, and I'm flipping through the Phil Steele magazine the last couple of days. Um, he's got their schedule as the uh, 73rd toughest strength of schedule. That is really low in Division One. You know, that that's probably in the, in the middle of, of Division One, 50th. Uh, percentile-ish uh, kind of range. This schedule is lighter because not only uh, you know do, do you not have uh, a Notre Dame on the schedule, but again, your crossover game's not difficult, right? Uh, you get Duke this year. Last year it was UNC, a team that was totally and completely falling apart. Um, you know, even even the easier games, uh, you know, quote unquote, 
are at home this year, whereas they were on the road last year, right? You had to go to Pitt, to Boston College, to Wake Forest. Now you get them all in your own building. Louisville is still a dumpster fire, and you get to and, and you go there to play them. You know that's a game that you probably that, that you should still win. Florida State is still very much a question mark, and you go there. Um, you know your your second toughest game on this schedule is at NC State on a Thursday night, and NC State's got questions all over the place. New quarterback, new offensive coordinator, replacing other players. So, yeah, this schedule is going to be easier, and you would imagine by that mark they're going to do just as well. You, you said a moment ago you don't know where the losses are going to come. You don't think they're going to go 11-1, and one, but you're not sure where the losses are going to come. I think the, the most likely losses outside of Clemson on the schedule, I think you have to start with that game in Tallahassee uh, on the road at Florida State. Do we really think Florida State is going to be the Florida State we saw last year? And, and maybe they will. No, but how much better are they going to be? Like I think that's I think that's more the question because I don't think they're going to be as bad as they were last year. But they were what a five win team last year or, or, or a four win team last year. Are they two wins better? Are they three wins better? What are they? Because I, I don't think they're all of a sudden going to be ten and two. Well, you don't care how yet. they are over the course of twelve games. You care how they are against Syracuse. And by then they're going to have two full months under their belt. It is a home game. You've got a quarterback that that now has a, a full year of experience under his belt. Um, and again, they've got. So much talent on that roster. Last year, that, that did not translate to wins and losses. I, I, I have a hard time believing that we're going to see the Florida State we saw a year ago. So I think that's the, the most likely loss outside of Clemson is the one at Florida State. I, you can make a case for NC State as well. But you're right. They have questions you know, as well. Um, that's a road game. I, I think those... Those two road games in particular jump off the page of me, and they're in the span of a couple of weeks. NC State's that Thursday night game on on October 10th, and then 16 days later they're on the road uh, down there in Tallahassee. Yeah, and and look, we'll we'll dive into the schedule a little bit more, but going along with strength of schedule, I I do think that the NC State game is probably the second toughest game, and you do get one advantage there, and NC State has that same advantage. Um, It's not a short week. It's a Thursday night game, but you're not playing off a short week because – you are playing uh, Holy Cross two weeks prior. You get a bye week, and then you come and you play a, a Thursday night game against uh, NC State. You then play Pittsburgh on a Friday night. So helping into that strength of schedule, helping into those numbers, is that you have two games that are on odd days, right? You have a Friday night and a Thursday night game. Neither one of them on a short week. Both of them end up coming off of either a bye or a Thursday night game. So that's going to benefit Syracuse, where they don't really have to prep you know, in three days for an NC State or in three days for a Pittsburgh. They get the benefit there as well. You know, I look at, at the over-unders. Tommy, our, our producer from, from back at the station, just sent us the, the Vegas lines on the, the over-unders of everybody in the ACC. Syracuse is at 7.5. And, and again, I, I have a hard time justifying that number in my head with everything I just said a moment ago. When you look at the fact that they are more talented, they are deeper, the schedule is easier. They just went through a season in which they had success. They know what it takes. They won nine games in the regular season. They finished with ten coming off that, that bowl win. I have a hard time looking at that seven-and-a-half win total, and I have a hard time not saying to myself it, it's a no-brainer that they're going to go over seven-and-a-half wins. But again, you know, we're conditioned around here to believe that, you know, show me. You know? Yeah. Show me. I, I, I don't believe it until I see it. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you. Um, I... I... I believe that they're going to go win more than seven and a half games. I, I, you know, looking at it logically, I struggle to say they're not going to win eight games or more. Uh, and but like you said, I said I need to say, hey, prove it. 
Um, with that being said, I'm setting my prove-it number at eight anyway, right? I, I'm not going to probably sit here in, in a week or whenever we decide to do these final picks. I'm not going to sit here and pick seven and six. Like, I, I don't think that's the number. Uh, but there was a lot that went Syracuse's way. Do I think that they're still going to be good? Yes. It, you know, to get back to the, the jumping-off point, if, if we're, you know, asked here at the fair, hey, what do you think of the team this year? I think they're going to be good. I think the offense is going to look uh, very different than it did last year. And I don't mean that as a bad thing. Uh, different can be good. And I think that in this instance, in this situation, difference will, different will be good. Um, you know, it, it'll, it'll be more dynamic. And, you know, you've got more running back weapons. You've got more wide receiver weapons. The defense will still be very good. So it may not be the same team that we saw last year that went and won 10 games. Um, but they're still going to be a really good, really formidable team week in and week out. I'll say this about the offense. I think ultimately the offense will prove to be better under Tommy DeVito than it was under Eric Dungy, but I don't think that's going to happen instantaneously. Right? If we saw flashes from Tommy DeVito, as good as he looked, let's say, in that North Carolina game, as good as he looked at Florida State, against Florida State, um, you know, he did have the Notre Dame game. He did have Western Michigan when he struggled. He, he was not the guy. He was not the starter for 12 games. That's going to be the case, at least if you're an SU fan, you hope that's the case this year, that he's the starter not just for 12 games, he's the starter for 13 games, and that he's able to stay healthy. So there is going to be a learning curve, i got to believe, of course. For, for Tommy DeVito, especially given the fact that his first home game is against the best team in the country. Isn't it also possible, though, that, that he was... And this isn't quite a fair analogy. It's not fair to say round peg, square hole. But, like, maybe he was, like, a circle peg going into an oval. Right? Like, it wasn't, like, exactly a perfect fit. That offense with wasn't what they were doing to with, him. Right. right. With That's what fair. they were doing last year, it wasn't exactly what they want to do with him. Um, you know, it was tuned a little bit more towards Eric Dungey, maybe a little bit more read option, a little bit simpler route trees, as Stephen Bailey uh, explained yesterday when he was on with us. Things like that. And now this year, it's kind of shackles off. Hey, let's go. Let's make this into a, a high-flying power offense, and, uh, passing offense, and see what we can do. And you wonder if maybe he's a better fit in that than he was what what they were running predominantly last year. No doubt that I think Dino Babers catered his offense to Eric Dungy's skill set. And what he wanted to do, he couldn't necessarily do with Eric Dungy because Eric Dungy was not your prototypical quarterback. Um, I still I love that line from West Durham the other day that you had a thrill seeker in Eric Dungy and an artist in Tommy yeah. DeVito. And now Dino Babers gets to gets to paint this offense, paint this picture with an artist at quarterback, and you've got wide receivers galore, you've got running backs galore, and oh, by the way, you've got a tight end position that's capable really for the first time in, in quite a while, guys that can catch passes uh, from the tight end spot. Um, so I, I do think ultimately this offense is going to prove to be better, maybe even this year. I don't think it's going to happen right off the bat, though. You know, it's funny that, that he used that terminology on Dungy and DeVito, um, and, and not to totally flip the script and change what we've been talking about, but I, I think of that phrasing for the two Syracuse defensive linemen as well, with, with Kendall Coleman on one side and Alton Robinson on the other. Because if you look at Alton Robinson... Like, just, just look at him Beast. physically. You say he's an NFL defensive lineman, and you say he's got the body for it and, the, and just the freak athleticism for it. And, yes, he is a tactician. He understands the craft. Like, okay. But, like, you look at him and say, athlete. And then on the other side, you have Kendall Coleman, who, like, 
yeah, he's got the great, you know, sk- uh, you know, athletic skill set, the great body, and, and things like that, but not to the same effect, right? And so he's more of the tactician. So it's it's funny that he, he used that about the, the two quarterbacks because I I think in very similar ways about Syracuse's defensive ends that way. Like you've got the you've got the the athlete and the artist, right? Like you've got the guy who who could get by just on power on athletic, and yeah, on athletic ability, but you've also got like the craftsman on the other side. Yeah, that's a, that's a good analogy. Three one five four three seven seventy six forty four. We do need to take a, a timeout. Phone lines are open. We're back after this on ESPN Radio. Live from the Great New York State Fair. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Stephen Seth, back with you here live at the great New York State Fair. We're coming to you live from right outside the Dairy Building, across from Chevy Court, with you up until 2 o'clock. Again, Eric Devendorf set to join us at the top of our number two. But for right now, let's go to the phone lines. We've got Scooter in Jamesville kicking us off on the show today. Hey, Scooter. Hey, guys. Uh, it's, it's great to start talking football. It's, it's amazing how things might be twisted. I mean, Syracuse preseason... Uh, in football, with uh, high expectations, I think the basketball team uh, is going to p- probably surprise a lot of people. But it's just amazing how things have kind of changed around just in a couple of years. Where you know you're kind of looking forward to football, and I'm hoping we're not going to be talking basketball by October, like you know, like a lot of people predict the last year, which I didn't. I thought they had a legit shot for nine or ten wins. Uh, you know, looking at the Atlantic Coast Conference uh, over/unders for teams that Syracuse is going to be playing. Uh, theoretically, if you go by Vegas, uh, a lot of the teams they're playing, uh, if, you, if they win the games they're supposed to, it uh, looks like they're around 500. I mean, you got Boston College at six, Duke at five and a half. Uh, the interesting one, I think, is Florida State. And I, I agree with Seth. I, I've always said, I, I said this two or three years ago, as long as Central Florida, Florida Atlantic, even South Florida are relevant. I think they're going to take away the death from Florida State. And I think you saw when there were injuries, you used to peg in players even didn't realize they were injured. Now you now you look at Florida State's depth and even quarterbacks, running backs, and and wide receivers looks like a big difference. So as long as they're relevant, I don't think Florida State's going to change this around. If they only win seven ball games, I think Willie Taggart's uh, days are numbered down there because I just can't see two years of uh, only winning seven games. The two things I'm going to look for at SU this year. And I think it's big on my my, 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 my range is that they're going to have the target on their backs. You know, they're not going to sneak up. It would be, be amazing if Syracuse is ranked and Florida State isn't. Is that actually, you know, a storm the field, uh, Florida State, they beat Syracuse uh, instead of reverse. And also, if you look at the grass uh, game Syracuse has played in the past, it seems like a lot of our losses are on the road. Uh, have come on grass fields. And we've done well on turf. You know, we've done well at Wake Forest. we you know we beat uh, uh, you know, we beat uh, Western Michigan, but uh, this year it'd be interesting to see where the grass uh, feels if that's going to slow us down. Because I know last year against Notre Dame, I just thought they looked slow. I don't know if the grass was that thick down there or what, but they just looked methodically slow. And sometimes you get these three teams on grass; they just don't uh, play as well. But I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I really think that seven and a half is definitely uh, uh, low. I mean, of course, we can't do anything to stay in New York about it, but. I'm in Vegas. That looks like a, a legit shot of going over. Yeah, appreciate the call, uh, Scooter. As always, I, I'm with you. If Willie Taggart wins seven games, uh, I think he's in a whole lot of trouble. I, I want to touch on what Scooter talked about at the very end. He talked about Syracuse playing on grass and that they look slow. Isn't that something that, in such a short period of time of being in the ACC, they have now gone to a team that 
relies on speed, right? I mean, Scooter's talking about how well it, it might slow Syracuse down, and it used to be, especially when Syracuse first joined the ACC and they had Big East players on the roster, it was, well, you know, how do you neutralize the opponent's speed? And now that speed is one of SU's strengths, which I just I find remarkable when you when you think about it, in such a short period of time they were able to flip over the roster the way they were. Yeah, and, and realistically that's the biggest change in the Dino Babers era. Uh, you know, you, you look at the teams that Scott Schaefer had and, and nothing against some of those players, but they were not ACC. It was players. a big East brand a, of basketball. Right. It was or it was still, basketball. <laughs> football. Maybe some basketball still, too. It was still a big East team playing football now in the ACC and it just didn't fit and you weren't able to compete uh, for some of those reasons. Now you have a legitimate ACC team out there, a team that can move faster. And yeah, would they like to pound the ball every once in a while? I'm sure that Syracuse would like to pound the ball every once in a while and turn around and hand it to Mo Neal and get a thousand yard back for the first time since Jerome Smith, right? Like they would like to do that. Uh, but you also want to have the option to run past people. And they have that option now, which, you know, when Jerome Smith was running for a thousand yards, he didn't have that option. That's why he ran for a thousand yards. You know, it, it's interesting. You know, to say if Syracuse wins the games they're supposed to win, you know, that they'll go over that, that seven and a half mark because, again, you, you look at the schedule game by game. Uh, right now, we know that, that they're a three touchdown underdog against Clemson. Um, they're about a field goal underdog against NC State. And the last I saw a couple days ago, they were like a one point under, you know, it was negligible, but it was like a, it was like a one point spread. Uh, at Florida State. They were like a one-point underdog. Outside of those three games, are they favorites in every other game? Or, or at least right yeah. now, would you project right. them to be? Right now, yes. I would imagine right now they are. Um, I would also, I'm, I mean, I'm also surprised that right now they aren't favorites over Florida State. But yeah, I would say right now, That's a outside, tricky of, game, though. outside of Clemson, NC State, and Florida State, yes, they should be favored over everybody. Yes. And I think that once the game rolls around, they could very well be favored over NC State, and they could very well be favored over Florida State. Like, they could, they could play a whole season where the only game they go into as an underdog is the Clemson game. Which, which makes it even more difficult for me to justify in my head the 7.5, right? Because that's nine games. That's if you go by the line right now, or if you go down wh- which game should they win, that's nine wins. And, the other, and two right. of them are toss-ups. I mean, NC State and Florida State are toss-ups. Absolutely. Um, that's why I said that's why I said before I have a number in my head of what I think their record is going to be but I don't, don't know, know where the loss but I don't yeah. know how they get there. Yeah. I I'm I'm struggling to rationalize how they get to that record. Um and I guess that's what I'm going to have to try and figure out over the next week before I go ahead and say what I think they're going to do. We've got plenty of time to talk about predictions and expectations and, and what we think is going to happen uh, this season. We do need to take a timeout. When we return, we're going to switch gears. We're going to talk some basketball uh, with Eric Devendorf. We're also going to talk about this mission that he's on as he's leading this back-to-school sneaker drive and giveaway. It runs through August 23rd. He's going to tell us all about it on the other side of the break. Keep it here. Orange Nation returns right after this on ESPN Radio. Live from the great New York State Fair, this is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Stephen Seth back with you. Coming to you live from the great New York State Fair. We're outside the Dairy Building across from Chevy Court at the News Channel 9 location. If you happen to be out here or coming out here, stop by, say hello. I'll be out here till 6.30. Got the 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock, and 6 o'clock news out here. All day, every day, Seth. It's a long day. It is. Do you get like, 
Like, what are you do in between? Are you going to go get, like, goodies? Like, I, I see we're right next to the dairy building, and I'm intrigued. I might go during a break and just leave. Like, if I'm not here at the start of a segment, I'm probably getting ice cream. See, we're in a great spot because we've got Gianelli Sausage and Dinosaur Barbecue yes. right across from us. We're, uh, you know, we turn the corner here. We've got the dairy building. Uh, we've got some great options. So we've got some ice cream. We've got, you know, pulled pork and chicken and fries and everything yeah, you need over spot. there. it's a good spot. It's a good spot. Um, so yeah, I'll I'll get a little food and and then really get right to work. I mean, the four o'clock show gets here before you know it. So yeah, uh, I was gonna go get some food before, but the the rain kind of yeah put it put a damper on that one. It's turning into a nice day. Turning into a nice day. No more rain. Hopefully, fingers crossed. Uh, as we bring in our producer Tommy Hogan uh, for uh, a segment we like to call Next Question. Still waiting on the fancy open set. It'll get there. It'll get there. One of these days. Uh, but uh, Tommy, Tommy, what do you have for us today? So the XFL, they released their eight team names today, nicknames and logos. So I figure, why don't we do a little real or fake XFL team name? All, All right. right. Let's do it. I All like right. it. So we'll start from the top. Here we go with a little Tampa Bay Vipers. Real or fake XFL name? All right. Full disclosure here, Tommy. I was just scrolling through Twitter Steve. during the break, and I I know you had mentioned something about the XFL before the show. Um so I, I saw like this graphic of all the names, and I quickly scrolled past it. Okay. So I'm trying to like, I'm trying to recall in the millisecond that I came across the graphic if I saw a viper. Uh, I don't know what a viper is, so I'm going to say it's, it's, like, it's like so a I'm snake. Gonna, okay, I'm going to say it's a real name. I'm going to say I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say it's real as well. That is a real name. The Tampa Bay Vipers is a real one. We'll move on here to the New York Sirens. No, that's fake. No, that's not no. That is a that's, fake name. That's la- If that's the actual name, that's lame. Yeah, that's really bad. I think that their real name is even worse. They're going with the New York Guardians. Oh, that's really bad. What yeah. were they? What were? Were they like the Hitmen the first time around? Were they like the Hitmen? I don't know. Or is that the USFL? If, you're, if you expect me to remember <laughs> XFL nicknames from 15 years ago, you don't specialize the U- in the XFL nicknames. That might nicknames? have been the USFL leaning into the uh, the New Jersey uh, yeah. crime family. That, thing. that ain't happening. That ain't happening. Uh, okay, so we're two for two. What, what two else for got? two. L.A. Hipsters. <laughs> that cannot be There's real. No way. That cannot be real. There's no way. My name for it was even better. The L.A. Hipsters is fake, but they went with the L.A. Wildcats. Just your cliche. I can't think That's of anything else. Too. So we'll go Have with the Wildcats. They're really bad at this game. They're off to a bad start. Uh, the Seattle Dragons. Oh, this is a tough one. I can't um, imagine. I can't imagine it's real. right, but I'm going to say it's real. Uh, I'm going to say fake. That is the the real XFL name. They went <laughs> really? with the Dragons. Yeah, Wildcats, Dragons, Vipers. Pretty cliche so far. These are all uninspiring. Guardians is no good. Not cliche, but it, it, there's a it's reason bad. why it's not cliche. Uh, the DC Orange. No. No way. No, that's fake. You are correct. It is fake. It, the real name is the DC Defenders. Okay. Okay. Not great. The, alli- oh. the alliteration, all right. I guess so. That's the only good part of it. Uh, the Dallas Renegades. I'll say real on that one. Yeah, I, I will too. That is all. Sounds. You guys are correct. Real. That is the real one. How about the Houston Drillers? That would make sense. I'm gonna say fake. Yeah, it almost makes too. Much. I'll, I'll say real. That is the fake name. They went with the Houston yeah. Roughnecks, which I think is the best one of the bunch. Houston Roughnecks. 
I feel like Drillers makes more sense. A little spin off the Oilers. Yeah, exactly. And then uh, last one here, the St. Louis Battlehawks. That you would not have come up with that on your own. That's real. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're right. You're absolutely right. I would not have come up with that. It is the real. That was name. too specific. <laughs> yeah. What do we think? What's the best one out of the group there? Battlehawks. Battlehawks is that your one, favorite one. That one sticks out to me. I'm a Roughnecks fan. I think I might pick up the Houston Roughnecks as my team because I like the nickname the most. You you have the benefit of seeing the logos. Do, do, do any, any of them look good? Any of the logos or colors like jump off the page at you? I haven't looked at the logos honestly. Oh, okay. I'm now I'm can, now taking to Twitter now that I know we're we're done here. Let's e- see. ESPN, like Steve said, did just re- recently what do we uh, think? post them. What do we think, Steve? Any of these look decent. The LA one is boring. I was gonna say the Wildcats one. I is like the lame. I like the Roughnecks. It's basically the Oilers. Right, logo. it is. It's a yeah. big H making an oil uh, thing. Battlehawks. Is that is that a sword yes, in between is. the wings? That might be it. That no, might be that the one's bad. That logo is no, bad. The good. name's way better than the logo. The Guardians actually has a good logo. Just a the Seattle name. Dragons logo is terrible. This is great radio because nobody can it's, see yep. what we're looking it at. It looks right now. terrible. Uh, I'll go with the Roughnecks as the best logo. The uh, the uh, Battlehawks is the best name. Whichever team drafts Eric Dungey, that's that's the team. That's I'm your team. Team. Yeah, all right. That's a good. That's the team I'm getting. Good right. call. All right, uh, Tommy, don't don't go far. Uh, we've got to get to today's business, but we need to take a timeout, pay some bills here. In the meantime, uh, we're brought to you in part by Mattress Express, home of the number bed by Instant Comfort. We're coming back with today's business right after this on ESPN Radio.